year. Can you believe it? It's 2012. And I think the cool thing about 2012, it's 12 is a one syllable word. So we can say 2012, you know, because that didn't work. 2011 was, I didn't, I don't know, that never really, that never really had a vibe, you know, 2011. So we had to say 2011, but now we get to simplify. I'm very, very easy to make happy. You're looking at a dude that just, you know, and I think, hey, that's a 2012. Welcome, welcome to 2012. And belated Merry Christmas. Um, It was was a good season, and uh, a lot of stuff happened. I like the new year. I do like the fact that, and in fact, I don't recall you know, I, I've preached lots of times on Mother's Day and Father's Day and every other kind of holiday, but to have Christmas and New Year on a Sunday is something I don't know that I've ever actually done that or been a part of that. Um, and it's good to see you back in town, uh, but it's there's there's a uniqueness to this opportunity this morning to kind of talk about the new year. And I like it because the fact that um, we get another opportunity to kind of start over. Uh, all the years that we worked in student ministry, Karen and I, one of the things we really liked was you got a lot of relaunch, points where we could kind of start again. And and I don't know uh, if you've noticed this, but that God gives us consistently those opportunities. One of the things Catherine said this morning, and it was even a word that Lindsay spoke in the word that she spoke about hope, but that that's not just for this day. And this is a day that has, I don't know, it, it has by its very nature kind of a, it's a hopeful moment, you know, when you're like, wow, I mean, whatever 2011 looked like, even if it was a great year, you're thinking, okay, 2012, you know, and, and people make all these resolutions and, and we've kind of rededicated ourselves to certain things that maybe we didn't accomplish before, or we hoped that we could do, but now we get a, we get a try again. Of course, but what we know, though, is this, that his, his mercies are actually new every morning. And, and, and for me, I think even for us, this is an opportunity to maybe on one level evaluate. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we kind of look back and we say, how did that how did that go or whatever? But not as much that as not so much to evaluate, but really to appreciate you know, to appreciate the grace that we have experienced and the mercies that we've been shown and the opportunities, come on somebody, that we've been given and that lay in front of us even even now. Now I will readily admit that I am by nature optimistic, but this is more than that. This is believing that in 2012, again, God will be what God has always been, which is good. And I won't apologize today for being hopeful. Happy New Year. Revelation 21.5 says this, and this is a word that John the Revelator wrote uh, prophetically. He saw this vision and he said that he who sits on the throne, in fact, said, Behold, I'm making all things new. I want to just take a few minutes of your time this morning and talk about all things new. I don't know what you need made new this morning in your life. I don't know where you need to hold on to hope. I I don't know where you need to believe again that God can work and that God will work. But I need you to know that it was Jesus himself who said through the revelation that I am making all things new. Or back up a little further prophetically to Isaiah chapter 65 and verse 17, which says, For behold, I I created, in fact, the new heavens and the new earth, and the former things will be remembered no more, not come to mind. Or, in fact, a personal application of that passage for us is 2 Corinthians 
chapter 5 and verse 1 that says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new, what? He's a new creation or a new creature. The old things have passed away. All things have been made new. Now, come on for a second, though. Isn't that a place to just jump off and, and be joyful? Isn't it good to know that we're not bound by our past or limited to it? That I mean, in the past, is a, it's just... I mean, it just happened, and it happened a long time ago, too. But whatever is behind us is, is the past. Maybe you're thinking, well, that would be easier for me to receive and believe if, if the past were five years ago, or even, man, if it were just five months ago, five weeks ago, if it were five weeks ago, I could believe that God could, but it was five minutes ago, or it was five hours ago, I just struggled, I just, I just was at a place of discouragement or defeat, and and here I am again, and I feel like I've been here before, and I'm telling you that the God who created everything has created us. And he's the one who makes us new. I had the most beautiful question this morning. I think, wasn't it Jared that asked me that? He said, how did all these stars get hung? All the stars get hung. Now he was, wasn't Jared? Silas, okay, he said, who, who, who was it that hung all these stars? He's the second one, right? Not the oldest. Oh, he's the oldest? Okay, so but he said, how did all the stars get hung? And I frankly didn't know. No, no, no. Oh, there's a there's a line up there. I know that Joe Caldwell is one of the most creative people, industrious and determined people, and he hung these stars as testimonies to the God who has pointed us to Himself. And the same God who hung the stars in the sky, and there are a lot of those who created all of them, is the God who created us and who, in fact, recreates us. We're not recycled. Come on, somebody. Today, we're not talking about being recycled. Who uses again? We're not talking about being even revamped. We're talking about, I'm trying to, I'm trying to birth some hope this morning. That was God's objective today. Lindsay, the word that she shared, she, she didn't, I didn't talk to her, okay? God talked to her and God talked to me, okay? So that's why this message is, uh, synchronous is because the Lord works that way. But hear me when I say this, that what He does is He makes us new. I'll make somebody believe we can be made new today. Who wants to help me? Who wants to say that happened to me? Who wants to bear witness to this reality that when God works in you, you are new? Happy New Year! Happy New You. Happy New Work of God in your life. Happy New Day of hope and restoration. New. The, the word in the Greek for new is kinos. It's an adjective. And literally, it, it really refers to two things. It refers to, in respect to form, it means being recently made or fresh. Now, I used to work at a grocery store. And in the produce aisle, you know, we always had, and keep it looking good. And the manager would come in if you had done it right. And he would say, ooh, that looks fresh. Looks busy. You know, and that's what God does in our life, not so much not so much making us busy, but He's busy doing what He's doing in us. He's faithful to that task. And it's it's fresh, it's not old, it's not again redone. It's new, whereas in respect to substance, it's uh the, the word literally in the Greek means of a new kind. 
or hear this word. I like this word. This excites me for 2012. Unprecedented. There's no precedent for what God's going to do. It's new. Come on, somebody. Listen, I just turned 46 this month, right? Man, I remember when I was working on campus in Cobb, I was 35, and some girl got up and she said, like Ron, his life's half over. I was like, man, I'm going to beat 70 by the grace of God. But even if I don't, right? Come on, y'all. I mean, just believing that God's, what God has, that God wants to do, and who God wants to be, and the revelation of God in me and to me. And yes, I will say through me. Is going to be in 2012 unprecedented. I'm praying for that. Sometimes for us, the correct or uh, the concept of being made new really uh, is more accurately or appropriately communicated being renewed. That God just this new thing that God does in us. It's not that God hasn't done something before. But again, I I referenced it earlier. Lamentations chapter three, verse twenty two and twenty three. Man, this gets quoted in elders meetings a lot. But the word of the Lord says this: The Lord's loving kindness is indeed never cease, for His compassions never fail. They are in fact new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. And there are in the scripture calls for renewal. Romans chapter twelve, verse two. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Or Ephesians chapter 4 verse 23. Be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Or Colossians 3.10. The new man is being renewed to a true knowledge. We are learning and we are growing. And we are, I heard someone say this week, we are morphing. Transforming as it were into the image of God. We're being renewed. The psalmist said it this way. It was his prayer. We pray what we know is possible. I encourage you to pray prayers of faith. Pray what you believe is possible. The psalmist said, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right or steadfast spirit within me. I say, let it be so. Come on, somebody say amen. Do that. Do that, God. Or Isaiah. The word of the Lord came through the prophet and said, Behold, I am, I am, I like that, that's declarative, Catherine. He said, I am doing a new thing. I'll come back to that passage later. I like it when God declares something. Because I'll say this, that there are places in my life where it feels like maybe I had a little bit of a dead end. Maybe I've been praying the same prayer for a minute. How about you? You feel like, boy, I don't think my spiritual life is meant to be a merry-go-round. But I'm saying to you that, no, it is not. But there are places for persistence in the pursuit of what God says will happen. And we, though, hold on to our faith with hope and believe that he is. He declared it. I am doing a new thing. So what are some of the new things for 2012? And there will be a lot that can be said. But I'm just going to mention three this morning. But one, I want to chat this morning to you about a new perspective. Perspective is so critical in life, right? I mean, isn't it true that one of the reasons we need to chat to other people and certainly to bring things before God and godly counsel is because sometimes our perspective is just wrong. The, the view from which we see what we see is, is creating for us an unclear image. 
or an inaccurate assessment of reality. Sometimes we just need a new, let me look at that from over here where God sees it, a new perspective. Because this is that time of year when we make a lot of New Year's resolutions. I mean, I dare you to go to the gym this week. Come on. I'm not the only person that gained 10 pounds since Thanksgiving, okay? Just to give you a little heads up. That's why we keep that little extra set of clothes, right? But there's going to be a lot of people making resolutions, man. And a whole lot of laws getting spoken right now. And I'm not saying that that's all bad. Some of that is using the law wisely. But there's some adjustments that are about to be made and some effort at least to make those adjustments. And, and we consider we have these New Year's resolutions and things we want to do better. And I'm, again, not saying that that's all bad, but it certainly has a limit to how good it can be. I promise you that that's true. And, and not only that, though, but it causes us sometimes on a deeper level to say, well, maybe I should reconsider my priorities. You know, what are my priorities? I mean, what am I doing? And again, I'm that guy. I'm that guy. I can get dangerously into too much self-assessment. You know, I look back, and I'm like, man, what was that? You know, and I start trying to make it better. And, and we'll try to resort our priorities. And we'll talk sometimes about what priorities should look like. I mean, I could put you on the spot and I could ask you, you know, and, and if we were, you know, on our toes, we might say, well, it's God. And then, and then maybe we would say, I hope we would say family, you know, God and family. And then maybe we'll say church. Maybe with church we mean, you know, the things, maybe the tasks or, or the way that we serve, in, serve God or whatever. But God and family. In church, and we do that kind of thing where we, we sort of sort that out and we try to figure that out. But I want to offer you this morning a new perspective as it relates to those things. Because the Word of God says, and because here would be the question before I get to that, but where, where does God go on the old priority list as we look at 2012? Because again now, the Word of God says in Colossians 1, chapter 15, or sorry, chapter 1, verses 15 through 20, this was the Apostle Paul who said, He is the image of the invisible God, being Christ, the firstborn of all creation. For by Him all things were created, both in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. Whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through Him and for Him. Hmm. Now what are you going to do with that? How do you put that on a priority list? How do you sort that? How do you? Because look what it says. He is in fact before all things. Okay, okay. And, and in Him all things hold together. He is also the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that He Himself will come to have first place in everything, for it was the Father's good pleasure, in fact, for all the fullness to dwell in Him. The truth and reality is, in fact, the Word of God says, if we went back to our passage in Revelation chapter 21, Jesus just in... in that next verse, I think verse 6 or 7 said, I am in fact the Alpha and the Omega. If we're going to put him on a list, he's the first and the last. And in fact, he's the essence of everything, everything in between. So a new perspective, a new perspective in the way that we order our priorities in 2012, and I hope every year after that would be this, that it's not God and, and family and church or Church, but I have to tell you, like three weeks ago, I was just having an uh, attempt at some quiet time. I was doing some study and whatnot, and I was, but I was struggling with some things. I was kind of battling a little bit, and 
felt a little distracted, and I was, I was, here's really what I was trying to do. I, I felt like I was almost trying to have a bit of a out of circumstance situation or, um, you know, out of body experience, you know what I'm saying? But not out of body as much as just, okay, I need to get with God. I need to see God. So I'm going to step out of the fact that I'm, I'm in pain or I'm battling this thing or I got this big concern or this worry. And so I'm going to try to step myself out of that so I can see God. Which is really challenging. See, because my situation was, it was real. I couldn't pretend it wasn't there. I was making an effort. I wanted to shut that out and just see God and hear God. And, and I know that I heard God say, Ron, stop. What I want you to do is see me in your situation. I want you to see me in your circumstance. I want you to know that I'm there when, when you're challenged or you're struggling or you're in pain. I want you to not separate yourself from it, but I want you to know me in it. And I think that's true in, in things that are good or bad or in between. When we talk about family, it's not God and family. It's God in family. It's seeing God in my family. I don't have to. My family doesn't take a backseat to something. It is the word of God told me to love my wife as Christ loved the church. I've never gotten close to that. Can't love your wife too much. But you've got to love her as Christ loved. It's God in marriage. It's God in life. It's God in school. It's God in the job. We don't separate God from any other priority or perspective, but we see God in all things at all times. It's eyes off me. That's what that looks like when you start to make a priority list. It's really kind of narcissistic. Let me sort out my life and make sure God has a spot in it. I've said this this way for years. I've said it here before. Sometimes it's like this when we first become believers. Maybe that's okay for a minute, but it seems a shame to me, though, that when we never grow past this perspective, but we think, man, I'm a believer. I just gave my life to Christ. This is great. Man, you know, whew, this, is, this is changes things, you know. I gotta make room in my life for God. Woo! I gotta, I gotta, you know, get out some space in here. I gotta make some, make some room. And we try. I gotta order some priorities. I, things are gonna be different now. Like when you have a baby. You have a baby, you're gonna reorganize life. No, you're not gonna reorganize life. You baby gonna reorganize your life. And what about having? And that's a good thing, too. And when Jesus comes in, man, you don't make space for God because He don't fit. Good luck with that. He created everything. He's going to fit in your life, your plans, your desires. I got this figured out. Here's where God goes. And He don't do diets. Right, He's not downsizing is what I'm trying to say. His vision for you and for this world is not going to change. He won't adjust it. He will love you relentlessly and dream for you unapologetically. And you don't fit Him into your life, but you take your life and you fit it into the context of His will. And that's when you know new life. It's a different perspective. 
That's who he is. That's what Paul was saying. And we see him in everything. And Jesus himself said it this way in Matthew 6, 33. He said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Seek first the kingdom. The priority. The heart of God. His kingdom. What matters to him in this world. Seek that first. In everything. Doesn't mean you have to quit your job or move your family. It might, but it doesn't. It's whatever he wants it to mean. It just means that whatever you do, the kingdom comes first. Whatever you do, it's about the kingdom. It's not, well, I better do this, so I'll be able to do this. No, that is this. When God is in the middle of it, there's no separation. There's no delineation. He's the, I don't even want to say priority. He's God. How do you make God a priority? He don't need a new name. I think Alpha and Omega in this context fits fine. He said, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. Now, this word righteousness means a lot in the word of God. I won't go into depth today. It would take a minute. But literally, to embrace the nature and character of God in the way we walk and work in our world. His righteousness. God's way. Now, that was attributed to Abraham because he believed God. I mean, there's a lot in that, but... Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Lord, I'm going to stand in this place and I'm going to believe in who you are and how you operate. And that's who I'm going to be. And that's how I'm going to operate. And all these other things. And we act like that's almost the motivation and it's not. It's just a statement of fact. All these other things. Whoop-de-doo. Shall be added. Thank you, Jesus. Unto you. Or 1 Corinthians 15.3, which says, For what I received, Paul said, I passed on to you as first importance. That Christ died for our sins. According to the scripture. What do you care about? I care about that. What do you believe in? I believe in that. The psalmist David said it this way. And this scripture moves me. It says, one thing I ask the Lord, this is what I seek. One thing I ask, this is what I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. I mean, that picture of the lion was outrageous. I don't know if you can pop that back up there, but wow. And Catherine said that when she saw that picture, she saw it as if the Lord himself were gazing at us. We were at a just now at a conference in Jacksonville, Isaac and Jacob and Daniel and I and several other students actually that go to church here at Dwelling Place. And they're they're just driving home today. We came back yesterday. But one of the things that the gentleman had said reminded me of something I had said to you several weeks ago, but it is when we fix our gaze on him. That's when Eyes off me, eyes on him. Eyes off my circumstance. Eyes on him. And when I do that, the world comes into order. 
He said, that's one thing I ask, this one thing I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to seek Him in His temple. This year, I pray that we have a new perspective and that that perspective is God in all things. And that this, that we would just see Him. That's my heart. That's my prayer, personally. It's just, God, I want to see you. God, I, I don't, I'm not attributing this to you. We live in a fallen world. I said to you a few weeks ago that the shadow of the cross, though, is bigger than the shadow of the fall. I believe that that's true. That what we can see, even when we see the fall, is we can see that we're forgiven. Even when we see the fall, is that we can see that we have hope. Even when we see the fall, is that we can see that we are healed. We see the fall. It's in our face. The, the evidence is great, but the evidence of grace is greater. Which takes me to my second point, and that is this. Not only that we would have a new perspective, but that we would have new hope. Again, I know that that's been a consistent theme this morning. But that, that maybe hope, I'm praying this today before we leave this place, that hope would be renewed. I'm just praying that that we wouldn't leave here feeling flat. You know, well, uh, church, you know, it was good. No, but that we would have hope that we could believe that we could believe for the New River Valley. I still want to believe in the New River Valley project that we can that God through us would have an impact in this place and that that God would continue to have an amazing impact at Virginia Tech and Radford. VCOM. New River Valley, that we could have an impact in this place, that there are there are spheres of influence we have yet to realize or understand or explore. It is phenomenal this morning to see Lorraine Blackard in the house. It's phenomenal. I know a lot of you don't even know Lorraine. Lorraine is a part of this church, though she rarely actually gets to come. Thank you so much, Amanda, for bringing her, and thank you for coming. It's an epic gift to have her here today. But that... There are people who minister in spheres and in places that most of us are not even aware of. People who walk in the grace of the gospel and have impact. And I pray that we would have hope that that could be each of us. Wherever you work, wherever you walk, that you would believe that this would be a year for you. That you would just, as a son or a daughter, that you would walk in impact, right? As you chase the heart of the Father. That you would just see that, that you you can have hope again, that that's possible. Isaiah, though, said this, because for many of you, it has more to do with your own circumstance. It's just a lot of, again, I don't ever want to seem as though I'm being negative in here, Jessica, but I know this, that there are a lot of challenges. I hear about those from you, and I know right now, even in this economy, there are challenges. I know that for many of us, there are physical challenges. I know for some of you, there are relational uh, struggles and stresses and strains and, and that the, the Lord is contending for families and for marriages. And I'm aware that there are people who are, who are working to walk free from bondages. And the only way to work is to walk in grace because there's nothing we can do to get free, but to trust in he who has set us free. And I know that those challenges are real because I face them too. But here's what God said through the prophet Isaiah in 43:19. He said, behold, I will do something new. I want you to think about your situation right now. And I want you to receive that as a promise from God. That's a risky statement. 
for people who face real challenges and real struggles and have to keep their head up. But see what he says. Behold, I will do something new. Can you just whisper that to your heart today? God said, I will do something. I feel it rising. That's why I'm being patient. Ooh, do you feel that? I feel the tide coming in right now. I said, he said, behold, I will do something new. Who wants something new? Who needs something new? Who's going to tell it when it happens? It's going to be time for a testimony service soon. Yeah, we're going to go old school. We're going to roll you up here. Yeah, I got a testimony. Behold, I will do something new. He said, listen to this. He said, now it will bring forth, or it will spring forth. Will you, will you not be aware of it? Apparently, there's a challenge sometimes to see what God's doing this new. Maybe sometimes the enemy says, nah, you're just still on the merry-go-round. Nothing new's happening here, which is a lie. And I will admit to you that sometimes progress can feel like this. I'm saying, I'm just saying. And if you could step back and have a new perspective, I think you could see it. But that that's what God's doing. But he said, it will spring forth. Will you not see it or be aware of it? I will even make a roadway in the wilderness. How strong is that? I will even make a roadway in the wilderness. I'm telling you, when we go into the bush to plant churches, man, did we not have to cut a road <laughs> this last year? Jake, Isaac, I mean, we were out there. We were uh, we were machete happy people, man. And, you know, I mean, we're trying to take a big truck out there loaded full of folks and stuff and kept having to jump out and chop trees and make a road. But when we got where we were going, we were somewhere we needed to be. Come on, somebody. And he said, look, I will even, I'm in a wilderness. How's something good or new going to happen here? He said, I will even, listen, you're in a wilderness. Look for God in that. See God in that. He hasn't left you. Check out the burning bush. Check out the power and presence of the Holy Spirit in your life. And grow and believe and have, have hope. You're holding hope right now in your lap. Lindsey Brinkley, road. I will make a road in the wilderness. That's what I will do. So, God, I'm still in this wilderness. It's okay. I'll make a road in the wilderness. God is... Rivers. I'll even make a river in the desert. Don't run from the desert if that's where God's going to bring a river. You're bringing a river? Okay. I'll be here. (laughs) New hope. And then lastly, new life. Cromwell already saved. I'm sitting here, man, I'm I'm walking in a redeemed relationship with the Redeemer, with Jesus. Listen, we need, listen, we, we, our, our blessed hope, our assurance of 
uh, a place in eternity may well be set. And I certainly hope that it is. And it should be and can be. Okay, and I'm believing for you that it is. I don't, I don't know your heart. You know your heart. God knows your heart. I know for me, man, I'm going to heaven. Done deal. Jesus took care of that. All right, but hear this. I'm still working. Um, and I'm still walking. And that ain't always God. The walking is, but the working isn't. Yeah, I said I still fall in some traps. Sometimes I get my eyes on the law, and I'm over here, and I'm over there. But when I get my eyes on Jesus, man, I walk in new life. Do you hear what I'm saying this morning? New life. We all need new life. We all need to walk in restoration. Paul said it this way to Titus in chapter 3, verse 5. He said, he saved us not on the basis of deeds, which we have done in righteousness, but according to his mercy, by the washing of regeneration and the renewing by the Holy Spirit. We still need some new life. We still need to walk in that great grace. God, take this right now and communicate it. It kind of fell off. I said it and I felt it go. Y'all sitting right there and I'm like, got this word right between me and you. I'm trying to throw it out there. Pick this up right quick. That we need that. In fact, he said this to the Galatians in Galatians 6.15. He said, for neither is circumcision anything nor uncircumcision but a new creation. It's not if you're circumcised or you're uncircumcised. It's not that you did or you didn't do. It's that you hear what I am saying. You are a new creation. Happy New Year. I'll work for it if I have to right now. I'll keep pressing with the Lord because he wanted you to know that this is so because somebody's sitting there thinking, man, you know, I mean, I know I'm going to heaven, but I'm never going to change. You are changed. You are changed. I'm not going to make that say something that don't. Is this not circumcision or uncircumcision? You're a new creation. The end. Do we still battle? Of course we do. We're still cloaked. I'm telling you this, that it's a new day. Put down your fighting tools and get up your worship hands. Ezekiel said, moreover, I will give you a new heart. This is the word of the Lord through Ezekiel and put a new spirit within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a new heart of flesh. Or Paul wrote to the Romans in Romans chapter 5 and verse 4. He said, therefore, we have been buried with him. Now hear this. This is why this is true. Therefore, we have been buried with him through baptism into death so that as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in newness of life. It's because of what he did that he was buried and we were baptized with him in that same sort of death. And then we also were resurrected into newness of life. Again, that's our destiny. It is our it is more than that. You've got to hear this. If you've received Jesus as your savior, it's your reality. Again, I feel like I say this as my constant disclaimer. I'm not naive. I still struggle. You still struggle. We still battle sin. I get that. But I want you to know today that our battle is not against the flesh. 
Which is good, because the weapons of our warfare, in fact, are not carnal anyway. But they are mighty. <sighs> See, here's the deal. This is what this is why I'm I'm struggling right now, and I'm I'm kind of really pressing, is because I feel like that some of us. I mean, we're there are amazing people of God. There are amazing men of God and women of God sitting in this sanctuary right now. But the devil constantly comes and attacks and berates and says, "See, but you did this." He's an accuser. Remember, I accuses and he says he's accuser of the brethren. He comes in, he says, "No, you're a dog because you failed in this way. You felt you're not circle. You you messed that up." And God says, "No, see, but he's a new creation. See that blood cloaked and covered right there." And I think somehow if we could believe that that all the freedom we've tried to fight for would come in this flood of grace that we could then receive and when we fall or fail actually all it would create in us is a heart of thankfulness for his loving kindnesses and mercies that are in fact ours and are new every morning anyway and we would worship our way right back to victory I ask you to pray for me, those of you who are here. I'm almost done. Because I had shared that when I go home, Karen and I are actually from Arkansas, just in case someone's not up to speed with that. And so when we go home to visit family, um, that's where we go. And uh, I had shared, I mean, it's not a secret that I'm a huge uh, Christmas guy. and um, I had shared, though, that sometimes when we go home, I, I feel heavy. I tend to feel heavy. And so I was praying that when I went home, I would have a bit of a breakthrough and I wouldn't feel heavy. And truthfully, I mean, it was a quick trip. We left on a Monday and came back on a Saturday, the 24th. But, but it was good. It was good. God was faithful in that. Which is ironic because actually it was a hard Christmas. Because while we were there... Um, my dad's brother died. I mean, in fact, while we were driving in, I got a message while we were driving in saying that they were calling the family in and I had hoped really to be there. The truth is I had tried to share Jesus with my Uncle Rob several times. In fact, I will say uh, that he was one of my main targets at my dad's funeral. I got to preach my dad's funeral. Um, and... Um, you know, I I was preaching pretty hard. I was hoping Uncle Rob would know and believe. And uh, Uncle Rob lived his entire life uh, not believing in God, or at least not for salvation. So, but he died. Um, and so that meant that while we were there going to visitations and going to the funeral. And just to give you just a real quick bit of background in that, um, my Uncle Rob was a really good guy. Worked at the local high school for 30 years. A lot of people, you know, that kind of favor you have when you're the mechanic or the shop guy. and So a lot of, lot of favor, a lot of kids that had grown up that knew Rob Bernard and cared about him and, and his family. His wife, an uh, incredible, faithful woman of God. Um, but when dad's not walking with God, sometimes that's, it's, it's tough enough to raise kids as it is. And so just really hectic with his two sons, and especially one of them who's really struggling with addiction. And um, 
but uh, the other son that found Jesus and is actually doing well. So that was kind of the whole backdrop to that. And and though that the last several years, there were several times when it really felt like Uncle Rob was quite soft to the gospel, but just felt like he had lived his life too long. In fact, one of my other uncles literally said, my mom uh, shared Jesus with him uh, the last couple of weeks of his life, and this uncle literally said, he said, well, this is like some sort of twisted country boy ethic. He said, I've lived my whole life, and it wouldn't be right for me to you know, expect him to do something now. I mean, that just ain't right. I mean, my whole life I did my own thing. How could I come to God now? That wouldn't be right. And I don't believe you can really believe in eternity and care about any of that, by the way. That ethic don't work when you believe that in a moment you'll see heaven or hell. You'll spend an eternity with or without God, one of the two. I don't think that that, that really works there. But but from Uncle Rob, he was not that obstinate, but sometimes it seemed like he was close. Like, ah, but, you know, I mean, my whole life. Anybody ever dealt with that? But, man, just his daughter uh, is an amazing woman of God, too. I failed to mention that. He did have a daughter and two sons, and his daughter's an amazing woman of God. And so they were praying for him. And so this was the story. So he died on um, Tuesday morning. Uh, before Christmas, but the Thursday before that, they had been praying with him, ministering to him. A couple of times they thought maybe he had made a decision for Christ, but on that they weren't, you know, he was never very, something, was, there wasn't like an evidence in that, and he was, yeah. So anyway, um, he shared a story with him though. He just, he woke up and he said, hey, last night um, the Lord came and sat on my bed. Yeah. Now they're wondering, you know, because he's he's battling. Is he? He said, "No, I know you think I'm crazy, but I'm telling you, he came and sat on my bed, and he he talked to me, and he said, I want you to pray with me.' He told his wife. Now, and his I should have said his older brother, my dad's oldest brother, is a preacher, is a pastor. He pastors in a very legalistic holiness environment, though. And it's been really hard. That's been one of the things I think that's pushed his other brothers away, to be frank. Law, law, law. I'm not saying he's a bad man, but I'm just telling you. Uh, you know, just just a very hard legalistic perspective. And he was there as well. So it was my Aunt Edith, Rob's wife. Thank you for letting me show this testimony. And then his brother, my uncle, Jay. And they were in the room with him. And my uncle starts to share this testimony about how Jesus. Did you hear what I said? Jesus. Came and sat on his bed. Because Grace casts a big net. And he said to her, he said, would you tell me how to be saved? That's what she said, yeah. And so they shared that with him. And then he said, well, you pray with me. My Uncle Jay shared this at the funeral. It was really cool because he told this story. And he said this. This is, this is country, 100%. He said, and he came out from under the shackles of sin and shame. And then he broke. My Uncle Jay did. And he said, and I ought to know because I was there. He said, I might have wondered if it were true. 
But I was there. And he saw the work of grace at the end of a man's life. My legalistic uncle, he saw the power of the promise. Now the beauty of that was this. Because often someone will be saved right at the last second and thank God for that. I believe in that. But he lived for four more days. And he raised every time someone would come in and pray for him. He'd never been in a worship service like that in his life. But every time his hands are in the air and he was praising, he was loving, he was giving a shout out because he knew. He knew. That he had been made new. He wouldn't even mess up about dying anymore. And it wasn't because he was going to heaven. He was sitting in grace. 2 Corinthians 4.16 says this. It says, Our inner man is being renewed day by day. Every day. Every day. Not, not, just, not just Uncle Rob, not just at the end of it, but for us every day. That same power of grace. Why do we raise our hands? Why do we, why do we worship like crazy people? Because we too have experienced that great grace. Behold, he said, I make all things, all things, somebody say all things, new. Maybe there's somebody here today, you say, dude, I need new. I need new. New's what I need. I need new hope. I need a new perspective. Maybe you're going to wad up your uh, list. It's okay. You got a list? It's okay. I probably have a list too. I might even put it on the fridge. But I'm going to write G-O-D over the top of it. Maybe you need some new life. I'm believing for God to do great things in this church, in this family, in your family. I pray for fruitfulness. I do. I pray God. I pray God raise up the folks who believe that they don't even have roots, and they realize they're bearing fruit. <laughs> that they can believe in what God's doing in them. give you a little heads up when this body has the impact that it's meant and made to have in this valley will be when we as people of god believe in god and what god does in us in our spot and in our space i've said this before but you don't go to the orchard and buy an orchard seed and don't sell those can't buy an orchard seed it's when one tree at a time becomes fruitful that will become a fruit bearing orchard a body of believers who are believers god i pray today 
Lord, that as you just work in our hearts, God, that you cause us again, Lord, to believe. Lord, as we kick off this 2012, this New Year's Day, God, that if we resolve toward anything, that our resolve would be to believe in you, to trust in you, to walk with you. God, to lay down the effort that we make to work, but rather, God, to choose to walk. Uh, God, to walk in a new perspective, to walk with renewed hope, and to, God, walk in newness of life every day. Lord, Lord, this, this, we know this, God, that in this world, Lord, there's entropy. God, things go from a state of order to disorder. But, God, we believe that you provided the energy to reverse the curse so that, God, we could actually grow and that we could be renewed and restored better than before by your grace and for your glory. I speak freedom in this place. I I speak, God, where people have been bound and believe that they always would be, no matter what they've been taught, that today there is new hope. You said, I am doing a new thing. God, for someone who's believing for someone in their family, maybe they're praying for a spouse or a child, or maybe they're praying for an aunt or an uncle, God, or a parent. Lord, I pray today that there's new hope, that you're not finished, Lord Jesus. God, if there's a relationship that's struggling today, God, if there's a husband and a wife who who aren't so sure if if they can continue to be husband and wife, I pray you bring healing to that. And that in this moment, God, you bring hope to that, God, that we can believe that, that, Lord, that this isn't some sort of optimistic platitude, but that the best is yet to come. That when we put it in your hands, God, you do great graceful things with it. God, I pray 2012 would be a year when you prosper the children of God toward the things of God. That we walk in in your will and in your way, God, that, that we can seek first the kingdom and your righteousness and you'll take care of other things. God, this year we've, we've walked through some pain. Lord, there's been loss in this body. There have been people who have lost people they care about. Lord, there have been new babies born and there have been miscarriages. God, there have been a lot of things that have happened here. God, there are people who have walked to you for the first time and, and walked. There are people who have walked back to you in this season. God, and there, there, there are those who have ran away. God, as we look back at 2011, Lord, we see that there has been good. We also know, Lord, that there has been that that has been hard. But here's what we say, God, that as we look forward, we look to you. Come on, church, say this with me. That We say that you are the author and the perfecter or the finisher of our faith. You can just say amen. And God, that what we have and what we hold, we hand to you and we trust you with it. And so, Lord, we pray that this year you would be, you would be honored. Not by maybe so much, yeah, Lord, by how we live and what we do, but more than that, by who we are. Because we are, we are yours. We declare that, God, as we sang earlier. Lord, not just that this is your generation, but that this is your community. This is your church. We, we say this. We are your people. You're our God. And we're your people. If you're here this morning and you just say, dude, I need new. If there's something in your life, I'm about to cut this crew loose, but there are going to be people, if I could get some ministry team leaders, I'm going to ask a couple of elders to come up here to my left, and we have um, some oil, and we're going to give you an opportunity. If you're battling a physical uh, challenge this morning, if you need healing, I'm going to ask Pat if he'll come, and Mitch if he'll come, and, and they're going to be over here in this area to my left and your right, kind of under the lion. 
And if, if you just need a touch in your body, maybe you've been praying for a long time to be healed. Listen, I understand that. But I'm saying to you that I still believe that we serve a healer. And I'm believing for restoration and healing in this body. How many will believe that that's our destiny, that that's God's intention toward us? That's his heart for us. Okay, well, if that's you this morning, I'm going to ask you to step out right now and just come and, and begin to form right here. And they're going to come pray for you. Mitch, would you join him? And make sure, yeah, uh, Pat has the oil. And then I'm just going to say, if there's something else, there's another area in your life where you would just say, you know what, I just need new. I don't know what that is. I don't know honestly how to describe that. I'm going to ask uh, Lindsay if she'll hand that baby to Brandon because I think there's a dispensation of grace on you this morning. So I'm going to ask you to come here. And I'm going to ask if some other ministry team leaders uh, could come and maybe just stand up. Brian, could you guys just be here, Catherine? And I'm going to just give you an opportunity to go whichever direction you need to go this morning. But I'm going to say, if you would say, dude, I need new. If you're more comfortable saying, Pastor, I need new. Whatever you feel good about, I'm okay with that. I don't care. But if you would just say, man, brother, I need new. There's something in my life. I just need, I need God to do a work of restoration in it. I need, I need something to be renewed, whether it's a hope or whatever it is. But you would just say this morning, I, I need new. Would you bow your heads with me? I know I'm kind of bumbling through this response, and I want to tighten it up just a bit for a minute. Lord, just give me grace right now. I don't want to mess this up. It's your word, and I don't want to shortchange the response to it. So I'm just going to say right now, God, uh, you deal with our hearts. God, I don't want people listening to me. I want people listening to you. So right now, Lord, just speak to our hearts. You draw us to a point of response to your word, to your truth. You say what you want to say right now, God. Call us out, Lord. Call us out, Lord. Jesus. Jesus. I'm going to ask you this real quick with your heads bowed and your eyes closed. Apologize for, I kind of missed this on the front end. But if you're sitting here this morning and you're not walking in a right relationship with God and you know it, and that needs to be made new, just your heart. The scripture I read in reference to hope, and he, he would take a heart of stone and he would give you a soft heart, a softened heart. If, if this morning you would just say, I'm a guy who's not walking with God and I know I need to. I need the work of restoration in my life. I need to be made new, dude. If that's you this morning and you know that that's you, would you slip up your hand and in a moment I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray with you. I need to give my life to Jesus today. I need to be made new. Is there someone here this morning? Is there one this morning that would just say, to be honest, I'm not walking with God. And I need to trust in God for grace. I'm going to give you a minute because I really believe that there is someone's this morning, if you're here this morning and you just say, dude, I need to give my life to Christ. I don't know what that will look like. I don't know how to live that out, but I know that's what I need to do. If that's you this morning, will you slip your hand up if you're here and just give us an opportunity to pray with you? And then this. What I started with, I'll come back to now. But if you're here this morning and you just say, there's something in my life that I need, I need new. I just, I need new. New direction, new hope, new perspective, new passion. I don't know what that is, but whatever that is. If that's you, would you slip up your hand this morning? We're gonna, I'm going to ask you to come in just a minute, or we'll come to you. 
I see some. Maybe we need to come to you, and that's cool. We can do that. I see several hands going up. Man, some amazing people of God are slipping their hands up. That tells me that you're chasing, and that's great. I'm glad that you are. Anyone else want to jump in on that? I just need new. There's an area in my life this morning. I've been praying for someone for so long, I don't even believe that my prayers can come true anymore. I just need new. Or whatever that is. Is there someone else? Real quick, real quick. Lots of hands. You can just slip them up and back down. It's really more for him to see than me. But there were several hands. Anyone else? And then I'm just going to ask you, if you can, uh, would you just come? I need some more people to come and pray. Could I get a few more life group leaders or whatnot that would just come and be here to pray? Tara, could you come? Bev, could you come? That's fine. <laughs> but if you if you slipped up your hand, if you could just be bold this morning and step out and come up here for prayer, I think God will meet you here. Let's just do this on the first day of the year. Come on. If that was you, if you could just uh, find your way up here. And um, there's a couple of you that maybe can't make it to the front and someone's already made their way from the front to come pray for you. So that's happening too. Don't miss this opportunity. Maybe there's just a challenge you've been dealing with all year. I, I don't normally advocate this strong in response time, but I feel like there's a couple more spots here where maybe someone's just been battling. Come on, if you raised your hand, go ahead and move now. Just move now. Come on, Come on for prayer. And just ask you to go ahead and come and step out. You're just partnering with brothers and sisters who are likely and you know have have and or are battling the same thing. So just just come be family, come pray. But maybe there's just some things in front of you. You don't know where this goes. But I feel like there's a couple of you that are still left. Again, pardon my persistence this morning. This is a bit abnormal for me. But I feel like there are a couple of you still who are sitting here who really, honestly, you're just tired of responding. But I'm going to ask you to come one more time. Maybe that thing is just, it's hard and it's heavy. And you believe God's got it, but still, you need new. You just say, I I need a breakthrough in my situation. I need a breakthrough in my circumstance. I need a breakthrough in my life. And if that's you, I'm going to ask you to take a step of faith. Do something maybe you hadn't done before. And just come for prayer. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands again, but if that's you, you just need a breakthrough. Then come and uh, and allow some folks to pray with you. I'll pray for you. All things new. All things new. you have to go i just want to say happy new year we're going to stay here and do what we're doing here we'd be praying if you need prayer for something else feel free to come for that otherwise see you next sunday be blessed glad you were here